Lord, we just thank you so much for this time, for your word, for this new season. So as we start this new season of the underground, Lord, just give us wisdom in leading your words to, to speak and teach, Lord. And I just thank you so much for the lessons I learn and that I'm able to share. Just let me articulate them clearly and write them anew on our hearts, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So yay, new sermon, new lesson, new correction, as always. And, but I want to ask, before I get into how this happened and how this sermon came about, I want to ask two questions. And so I want you to kind of think about these questions as, as, as we go through this sermon and this lesson. And I want you to be as convicted as I have been and, how, and, and I want you to hurt as much as I've, I've hurt in this. And obviously I jest, but the first question is do you question God? Do you question God? Do you question His choices? Do you question His actions? And, and then I'll ask you, when do you do that? Because I know you do, because I do, and we're all human. But when do you ask, when do you start to question God and question what He's up to? Is it during you know, financial times, difficulties? Is it stressful times? Is it anxiety? What is it? When is it? When is it you question God the most? And so in James 1, 12, if you want to turn there, it's a short verse, and, we, and, we under, and we've, we've heard this verse before, and it's James 1, 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so in that, blessed is the man who endures temptation, I'd say trials and struggles as well. And there's, there's other verses that say that same exact thing. But so, blessed are we. How, how, how do I feel, how am I supposed to feel blessed in these temptations, in these trials, as I'm, you know, as I sin, as I falter? How? How am I supposed to feel blessed? And so then I ask, just like Paul asked, you know, Lord, take this away from me three times. And he denies and says, my love is sufficient for you. I'm, I'm still struggling and wrapping my head around this. And I'm asking him, why are you even allowing this? You know, why are you doing this? Time and time again, you've rescued me, you've rescued me. And now I'm right back into the same type of situation that, if we're being honest, I put myself in again. You know, it's not like he led me there. It's not, in, you know, and then the next verse it says, let no one say when I'm tempted, I am tempted by God. It's not God who brings me into temptation. It's myself, my own stupidness, my own wickedness, my own sinfulness, my own nature is what brings me into these situations. And so in that, do you question God? Does your focus and your anger and your frustration turn against God when these situations arise? You know, unexpected medical bills. And you're like, I don't have the money for this, Lord. 
Why are you doing this? Why, why is this happening? You know, that's just one, you know, loss of job. Why are you doing this, Lord? What are you doing? And it's angry. And so the next question is, do you try to manipulate God? Go ahead and turn to Numbers 23, verse 19. But do you try to manipulate God? And we know this. You know, when you're praying and you're questioning Him and you're asking for things, are you praying? Are you asking, talking to the Lord in such a way that you know you're kind of trying to guilt Him into doing what you want? Are you trying to bargain with Him, manipulate Him into doing what you want? And so this is a pretty good reminder Numbers 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I, am, I have received a command to bless. He is blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So is God, you know, in this instance, is God a man that I can manipulate him into doing what I want him to do? Force him into it? Guilt him enough of, oh, how bad my life is, Lord. That he's going to be like, oh, Tyler, you're right. Your life is tough. I, it has been tough. L you've guilted me into it. And he begrudgingly does it. So do you question God? Do you try to manipulate God? And so those are the two questions I want you to think about as, as, you're, as you're listening. And so I'll tell you, those two questions are exactly what I noticed myself doing. So the night, one night I'm sitting there, I'm laying in bed, you know, I'm frustrated with medical bills and the rise of medical bills, the cost of grocery trips and, and, and everything else. And, you know, praise God, my house isn't breaking down. There's nothing in the house that's breaking. It's just my own stupidity and my own uh, sometimes lackadaisical use of money, you know, um, my own sinfulness and struggles that I deal with, thoughts, and all that. And so I'm laying in bed and I'm just kind of, I'm so frustrated. I'm like, Lord, let me, you know, for financial purposes, I'm like, Lord, let me draw my, you know, my inheritance from heaven. Open up heaven's bank <laughs> and, and send me some relief so I can pay off these bills. And as I'm, and I'm, I'm recognizing my tone and I'm recognizing that there is, I'm kind of accusatory towards him. I'm definitely trying to guilt him and trying to manipulate God and bargain with God to get him to do what I want. And then I very clearly heard as I'm, as I take a pause in, in a breath to, to go back at my prayer again, my manipulation prayer. And I very clearly hear the Lord say, when am I going to be enough? When am I going to be 
enough. And that hurt. That was embarrassing. That was shameful on my part. Because, because am I ungrateful? Am I ungrateful to what the Lord has done for me? And I'll say sometimes. Sometimes I am very grateful. And, and with, on those times, I'm very vocal about my gratefulness to the Lord. And everybody who is around me will know and hear just the amazing things that the Lord has done. But there are times that I'm ungrateful. But there are more times that I am definitely forgetful of the things that God has done. And this is why, and, and it's like every sermon just keeps coming back to me. This is why I say, write these things down. Write the mighty acts of God down and read them regularly. Rehearse them regularly so that you don't have to be like me and stick your foot in your mouth and get God's correction. When he says, when am I going to be enough? Did I not get you, Tyler, through a year and a half worth of not having a job? Did I not do this? Do I not deliver your children of sickness? Do I not keep your family healthy? Do I not let you have a house? All these things. And, and miracles, 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 spiritual gifts, healings, all these things in my life. And the one who preaches, remember them, guys, you remember them, has forgotten. And so in my prayer and frustration and anger at the situation I got myself into, God stabbed me through the heart with truth and said, when am I going to be enough for you? When, has, when is what I have done for you going to be enough for you. And so there's a couple of places in here that I really want to look at. And so if you turn to Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with tambourines, and you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planter shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. For there will be a day, there shall be a day when the watchman will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When is God's love going to be enough for me? 
an everlasting love, an unchanging love, a love that has not changed since the beginning of time, when is that love going to be enough for me? You know, we can go through all these verses of God speaking promises. You know, the birds of the air, you know, the flowers of the field. You're going to be adorned. You're going to be treated and loved and look better than all those. You know, they don't worry. You know, the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat because the Lord takes care of them. Why am I? And we can go through all these verses and it's the same thing. It's God's love. So when is God showing and demonstrating his love in my life going to be enough for me? What does he have to do in my life to demonstrate enough love that I'm finally satisfied with his love and can go, yep, I understand it now. How brazen am I? And then, here's another thing. God has made every provision for redemption. He's made every provision for redemption. When is that going to be enough? When is what Jesus did on the cross for me going to be enough? Turn to Isaiah 53. And let's be honest. Let's listen here. Listen here. When is Jesus going to be enough for us? Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form, form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Listen here. He is despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him all the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare him his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And so I read that, and I hear the Lord asking, is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? Did Jesus do enough for you? Bruised, despised, rejected, man of sorrows. Chastisement, oppressed, afflicted. Cut off from the land of the living. Bruised, beaten, battered. Is that enough? Is that enough for you? Did Jesus do enough for you? Tyler? Does he need to do more so that you understand when enough is enough? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's a gift. Is that gift that was beaten and bruised and hung up and died? And, and, and Is that gift enough? Am I so ungrateful of that gift that I don't even, re- I reject it at times? And I'm not thankful that that's enough? That the fact that my salvation was bought at the hands of someone who was beaten bloody and that the wrath of heaven was putting on him, put on him, is it not enough for me? Because your credit card has some money on it or because you're frustrated. Is it not enough? Like, is, does God need to die and pay off my credit card in order for me to say thank you? To appreciate what's been done for me? Hebrews 9.12 Hebrews 9.12 We'll do in verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies 
for the puring of the flesh, purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is a mediator of the new covenant by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Was his blood not enough for me to that he shed it to enter in as a sacrifice? Is Jesus' blood, is the blood, like my own blood, that's coursing through, he let it out and bled it. Is that not enough? Is that not enough for you to be thankful? To be grateful for what you have? Is it not enough? Romans 8, 26 through 27. Twenty-six through twenty-seven. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of. God. Is it not enough that he goes before I even know what I need? Is that not enough for you, Tyler? That he's already telling himself that by the will of God, what you need? Is it not enough for you to trust that that's being done? When is enough going to be enough for you? When's it going to satisfy you? Is that not enough for you? Is that not enough for you that he has to, on your behalf, go before himself, go before the Lord? The great I am, the creator, on your behalf, because you don't even know what you want. He's already doing it before you're even whining, Tyler. When is it going to be enough? What more does he have to do for you? What more does he have to do? Oh. So you suffer a little uncomfortability. So you're suffering just a little bit? What does God have to do for you, Tyler, to make you more comfortable? Like I said, I'm not ungrateful always, but apparently I am very forgetful. So I ask you, as God's question asks me, what more does he have to do? For you. What more does he have to do for me? 
And if you say anything else, you haven't really been listening. That, uh, if you give me a list of something he needs to do, you haven't been listening. So the answer, the correct answer, the only answer to that question is what more does he have to do is nothing. He doesn't have to do anymore because he's already done it all. The suffering Jesus did, the death that Jesus did is enough. The thing that God's doing for me right now is enough. And so if I'm standing here and I'm telling you that because of this whole situation that God's already done enough, but the situation still needs to change, then the answer obviously lies, the responsibility to change that situation lies with me, not with God. The responsibility to change how I see, how I remember, how I'm grateful lies with me. Turn to Romans 12 too. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. And so how do we change? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you change? By renewing your mind. I was a little slow in renewing my mind, which is why God had to give me that little lesson there. Renew your mind on Him. Seeking Him. Renew it understanding the graces and the things that have been done, the things that have been bought for you already. Understanding that enough has been done. In James 1, verses 2 and 3, James 1, 2, and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
Shot through the heart, and I'm to blame. And sometimes I give God a bad name. To paraphrase or add on to a song, right? I'm that double-minded man. And that so easily I forget that enough has been done for me. And that even if it was just Jesus died for me and nothing else good happened for me, that's enough. That's enough. But because God is way better than I am, I'm blessed. And he still delivers me out of my own stupidity regularly. But I have to let the patience perfect itself. We talk about the reliance on God. I have to let it perfect itself in me. Understanding that these trials are for a purpose. And yet even here it says, he's already done enough, but if you ask, if you ask God, he gives to all liberally and without reproach. So why do I think when I'm struggling, when I'm frustrated, that it's okay to try and manipulate God? and guilt God into doing what I want, into bailing me out of my own stupid situation. I have a life, 37 years, close to 38, years worth of examples where God has been enough and more. God is enough and more. He has done enough and more. But in my sin, in my selfishness, in my avarice and hunger, I realize that I conform my mind not to the will of God, but I, conf con I focus it on the earth. I focus it on the things around me. I conform my mind to the things of this world. And that's where my frustrations lie and come in. My anxieties come in. My stresses come in. Is when I conform my mind to the things of this world. And I don't renew it on the will of God. I don't let God's will perfect itself in my life. I want to rush it. I don't want to let it marinate. So when in your life, as you leave here, as you turn off this recording, 
Is God enough for you yet? Is he enough for you? Has he done enough for you? Or are you just as forgetful as me? And think that you're owed something more than has already been done. So Lord, forgive me my hubris of thinking that you need to do something else for me. That you owe me something else. And I wish I didn't need to keep getting these lessons, Lord, because they're not fun. They're not comfortable. In fact, they're quite embarrassing. But I thank you that you are doing it to me anyway. You're perfecting me, drawing me closer, correcting me when I'm wrong so that I don't go on thinking the same wicked things time after time. So I ask that you write this lesson so deep in my heart that it would show up on an x-ray. That I don't forget that what you have done and that what you are still doing is more than enough and exceedingly more than I deserve. Thank you for being who you are. And all glory is yours. All glory is Jesus's. And all glory is the Holy Spirit's. And it's by the blood and the precious name of Jesus that we pray these things. In Jesus' name.